0: Guys, welcome to Breakthrough Conversations. My name is Brett English. My name is Ryan Ortega. We've got Jack Hagen in the house. We're going to talk about all things God, spirituality, Christianity, religion, as far as we can possibly take it. Let's okay.
1: go. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I went to um, church on Easter just like out of curiosity because yeah. I hadn't been for ages, but I grew up in like a Christian school. And mm. I was like, oh, you know, like I've actually flirted with being Christian in the past. And I was yeah. thinking, like, oh, it'd be interesting to go have a look and like see what it was all about. And it yeah. was like... It wasn't the most amazing experience, to be honest, really? but um, yeah. I had a lot of lot of cool experiences there, and like, but you get kind of put on a pedestal when you're like not a Christian, and you go to a church because they're all like about converting you and stuff. So yeah. you come in, you have like a bunch of like uh, grandmas coming yeah, up, yeah, and they're all filling you up. They're like, "Oh, welcome, honey. Would you like me to sit next to you?" And I come in, and um, I sat down, and I like even received a blessing and everything. It was really beautiful. And at the end, I had a good conversation with the pastor, yeah. and I was thinking like, "Oh, I'd love to like talk to him about like the yeah. more like." esoteric side of christianity because i think in churches so often they get stuck talking about like oh if you just believe in jesus you'll be saved but like jesus represents so much more than just like this like son of god like it's like the metaphorical nature of love the archetype of jesus and stuff and even if you believe in like literal jesus all of that stuff still applies and it's still true and i really wanted to talk to him and discuss that and discuss what he actually believes about like morals and metaphysics and the nature yeah. of reality and stuff like that but um, I didn't have any of this equipment or know-how,
0: what to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes I, I go, to, go to church because my stepdad's a massive Christian, mm. seven-day Adventist, and I try to talk to the pastors when I, whenever I can. If mm. they come from America, I'm like, oh, hey, um, just curious. Like, how, how old do you think this planet is? They're like 6,000 years old, like, <laughs> with such fucking dedication. I'm like, <laughs> wow, like, come on, man. Mm. But the Bible says like this. They, they, some people take it very literally. Mm. Others can actually pick up pick apart the messages. But yeah, um, I get a bit nagged out when they just give me these blatant, like, stereotypical Christian template. Um, mm. answers? Uh, uh, answers? yeah. Yeah, yeah. As well.
1: yeah, well, one of the most like, amazing series I've ever seen on the internet is Jordan Peterson's breakdown of this bi- the Biblical story yeah. of Genesis, because I, I never understood that you could read the Bible through, like, a psychological lens. And mm. that's kind of what opened me up to, like, to looking into the divine and like, yeah. and to the idea of God more thoroughly was when he was describing it in a way that like, was so applicable to everyday life and the challenges mm. we face and how to align ourselves with truth and what yeah. our highest um, ideals are. And basically whatever our highest ideal is, that was God. And he talked about it in a way where you didn't have to believe in God to know the God that they were talking about in the Bible. Mm. And it opened up so many different levels of translation and myth and understanding. Yeah. And it made it made me realize that like, this story isn't necessarily like, a myth is something, that's never happened but is always happening and mm-hmm. so these stories for them to be able to have survived so long have been trickled down and condensed into like deeper and deeper and deeper layers of meaning like the story of Cain and Abel yeah. is maybe like this big in the Bible but it tells totally. you almost everything you need to know about like the fallen nature of humanity and what jealousy mm. does to us and the comparative ego yeah and like really like the early books of the Bible are like this moment. much information, like in like a speck of dust. Yeah, it's like amazing how much it can condense. And there's like so,
0: much, so much interpretation that's needed as mm. well. So every time you're like you expand your consciousness or get a new insight or you become a whatever a, a, a more intellectual person, mm. it's a different message yet again. Does mm. that make sense? <coughs> yeah, every time you read the Bible it like radically changes. Like I've always been interested
1: in it and I um, even in high school when I was an atheist, I just read the mm. Bible out of curiosity. And I remember talking to my pastor and being like, Oh, you know, so when Noah's like asleep naked in his tent, and his son walks in and he banishes him and like curses him. Like, how do you make sense of that? And he was like, "Oh, to be honest, I'm still wrestling with that, and it doesn't really make sense to me." And I was like, "What? This guy's like studied Christianity his whole life, and it doesn't make sense to him." Yeah. But I think like quite often we can get stuck like looking at something from one level of analysis, and when you like mm. zoom out or decide you're going to read something and looking for one thing, the whole that's one of the most beautiful things about like sacred religious texts is the whole thing will shift depending on your lens of analysis. And there's so mm-hmm. much layers and understanding. And like, people like Isaac Newton, they spent just as much time studying the Bible as they did studying um, physics. And really? So like they would Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did it. He actually managed to find like the circumference of the Earth using like references in the Bible and stuff like that. Supposedly, a lot of his documents have been lost, but like lots of people, like Freemasons and Rosicrucians and stuff like that, they look, kind of look for like relationships and esoteric um, messages inside of religious texts. And same thing with um, you talk to Hare Krishnas. There's lots of numer- numerology in the Bhagavad Gita, mm-hmm. as well, and like hidden references and stuff like that. So, whatever's one of the points in history that I would, if you could go back to any point in history, yep. I personally would love to go and see these people that wrote the Bible, well, obviously it wasn't one person that read the Bible, but yeah. the groups and individuals who wrote these religious texts and like whether mm. their intentions were good or whether they had like they were trying to control people, they would liberate people and what was actually going on because yeah. I think like these are some of the most like mysterious and profound and world and culture shaping um, texts that we've ever seen. Do
0: you reckon that people that were writing the Bible or the books of the Bible were actually doing it to be in the Bible, or they're just writing their experiences and what they have to share, and it happened to end up in the Bible as it was accumulated through the Roman Empire, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm.
1: It's almost it's, tough, it's, it's almost you know? impossible yeah. to know, really, but I, I yeah. think that essentially these, they were probably mystics, mm. or people who were like deeply in tune with the nature of reality, and I yeah. think they probably noticed underlying patterns and things that were going on inside of their lives, and they took these small stories and tried to embed like overlying myths and narratives mm. into these stories so that they could be teaching chronicles. And I think a lot of the time True. the truth had to be filtered through uh, lenses of like ethnicity and nationality, like in the case yeah. of Judaism, where it was filtered through like God's chosen people. And then mm. Christianity comes along and it's opened up to the Gentiles and wow. stuff like that. And so I think a lot of it is like divine truth filtered through the level of understanding they had at the time.
0: That's true. And you also have to be careful as well. Mm. They can't write anything too blatant because they might get killed for it as blasphemy. Mm. I reckon the people that wrote the books in the Bible would be people that the typical Christian church wouldn't want to be Christians because they're so mystical and Mm. that they would be more on the spiritual path, I would assume.
1: Yeah, if you look at the origins of Christianity, like the idea that we have now where there's just like one Christian church and one Christian doctrine and there's one set of the Gospels Mm. is kind of like a revisionist version of history. Like if you actually look back um, at the beginning of Christianity, there was like many different Gospels, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Mm. um, the Gospel of Liberation, and all these texts uh, were talking about like, the divine nature of christ and the fact that christ dwells in all of us and we we're all the collective body of christ which is found in like gospels like the gospel of john and luke um, mm. now but they they were much more explicitly spoken about yeah. and it was through like a process of filtration and deciding what was heresy and what was true and like lots of blood was shed for that what was decided, what Christianity actually was. And so whatever truth was there at the time had to be filtered through the lens of perception and the lens of ego that we developed at the time.
2: At that time, who was determining what's valid to go into the Bible and what's not there?
1: Mm, Yeah, it was, um, there was like a group of, well, it depends on, it's honestly not 100% fully known, but it, um, The, there was St. Paul who, He wrote Romans, Corinthians, um, a lot of the books of the New Testament after the death of Jesus. And so you have a lot of the letters that he wrote to the churches at the time telling them what messages he got. Because essentially the story of Paul was that he used to be called Saul and he actually persecuted Christians. And then one day he had this ultra light beam, in Kanye's terminology, come and like flash him. And he had essentially what was almost like a stroke. And um, Jesus came to him and revealed to him that he had this divine mission to spread the word of God away from the Jews and towards the Gentiles, which was anyone who wasn't of Jewish descent. And so he came through and spread that. But then after he died, it went through everyone that he knew when all these church fathers got together. And essentially, it was a lot to do with the suppression of the Roman Empire and people who were turning against that. And um, it's it's very, very complicated. And we don't really know, to be honest. But all we know is that there was truth and it's come through humans and it's undoubtedly been distorted, I would say. Well, very interesting.
0: Mm. I'm just thinking. Didn't I know that? <coughs> it's crazy mm. when you pull apart the Bible because there's books that my that I've seen or well actually that I have. It's like um, unlocking the Bible code, like with mm. every Hebrew letter has a number and there's like actual code in there that's going mm. to be significant. Yeah, it's called gematria. Mm. It's gematria. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And there's other interpret. There's there's so much that goes into it. Like Jordan Peterson um, says, there's reference that. Certain books from different eons of time are like linking back with one mm. another, like Isaiah, for example, and how they all interlink. Mm.
1: Like yeah, the Bible is actually the most interlinked text of all time. So they've, mm. I, I know the, the diagram you're talking about. There's like a map showing like all the links from the New Testament to the Old Testament, and like how the books are all interwoven. And all these books are written like obviously over the course of thousands of years by different people, yeah. but they're all referencing and linking each other and cross crossing back to different points of the Bible. And so. Mm. Your understanding of any one part of the Bible informs your understanding of any other part of the Bible and that goes even further because that's inside the Bible but because the Bible is the foundational text of Western civilization the Bible is actually at the root of like all literature all culture all morals all about understanding and like the Bible is almost like the base at which we set truth because in the Bible it talks about how like the truth will set you free in the beginning was the word and so all of our like ideas about what the truth is actually stems from the Bible and so What's kind of dangerous about what's happening in Western civilization at the moment is we're kind of moving past using the Bible as what we like used to ascribe truth to, but all of our truth claims are like kind of embedded in the morals and the teachings of the Bible or like the underlying teachings of the Bible. And so the further we move away from that, the further we're moving away from like the root of all truth in our civilization, and that's where we're coming to things like postmodernism where it's saying like, is there actually a correct way to interpret philosophy, is there actually a correct way to interpret literature, is there actually, there's an infinite subset of facts, how can we decide what to um, give our attention to and what to work out unless we have mm. some sort of grounding nature in the reality of truth.
0: Do you think we need a grounding nature? Or can we, can we find it ourselves or? Mm.
1: I think we can find it ourselves, mm. but I think it's, um, it requires a kind of emotional and spiritual maturity that I'm not mm. sure civilization Israeli. has reached yet
0: yeah um, um so w- what do you think
1: truth actually is when when you break it down like that? <laughs> <laughs> i i think well this this is a massive topic because essentially mm-hmm. like what what we realized um in the 20th century was that there's almost like an infinite number of truths or an infinite sub um subset of facts out there and th- like you could say for example like it's an empirical fact that the earth revolves around the sun but the earth revolving around the sun is like one thing of like millions of things that are going on between the relationship and the earth of the sun so for you to say that's true it's like yes it's true but there's like a million other truths entangled into that and like why did you decide that was the truth you were going to focus on and so there was this philosophical movement called pragmatism yeah. where they basically decided that whatever was useful and uh, achieved desirable results was the truth and okay. so basically i think as narrative beings we kind of weave a web of truth that provides uh, something useful for which we can base and ground our reality in.
0: Kind of like science.
1: Yeah, but yeah, at the same yeah. time, that, that in saying that, you're almost saying that truth is entirely relative, which I don't personally believe. I, I kind of root my whole philosophy in that love, truth, and beauty are all synonyms, mm. and that like the underlying nature of reality is the truth. But at the same time, the, I also acknowledge that there's like the truth is such a vast, infinite, and even lies can be the truth if they're a part of mm. the higher truth. And so, I don't have the answers for <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> on what is truth. That's yeah. fair enough, yeah. Yeah. it's but cool, we
2: Yeah, break it down? So Yeah, sorry, but, um, so you said like practic- the pragmatists, pragn- yes, pragmatists kind of believe the truth is founded upon what is useful. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that therefore mean it could possibly be skewed on the basis that it's subjective to what you found, find useful? useful? Mm. So if it's not useful to you, it's no longer true.
1: Yeah, um, I, in that in that framework, yes. Like one one thing I heard from Terence McKenna is that our whole world of truth is essentially stories. So you could say like we know, for example, that there's haemoglobin in our red blood cells that's carrying oxygen to our cells. But that literally means nothing to the human mind. Like you could just as well think that there's haemogloblins running around and throwing oxygen to your cells. And your conception of reality is like, almost just as close to what reality is, because what the fuck is hemoglobin, you know? What's like different between yeah. a hemoglobin <laughs> like and a hemoglobin. Like, what's the difference?
0: They both do the same thing. They yeah, they
1: both eyes. do the same thing, and they're both concepts in our minds that we can have no actual way of getting close mm. to the underlying truth of it, because the underlying truth of everything is unity. And so that means the underlying truth is infinite. And so we have real no way of getting close to that until we dissolve concepts entirely. Concepts are always a story and we are always narrative beings and I think our sense of free will almost exists inside of our memory because mm. we're constantly interpreting the world through what we've experienced in the past and telling a story that attempts to be coherent and as soon as that story starts being coherent, that's when you have psychosis or schizophrenia. And so essentially we're just trying to keep a coherent frame in which we can interpret all of our experience in reality yeah. because as soon as that blocks out, yeah. you're just everything.
0: So you think that the massive correlation between um if someone starts to lose their narrative, Mm. mental illness.
1: (laughs) Essentially, I think that schizophrenia and psychosis is the infinite shattering the finite. And so anytime that you have an experience of like touching the infinite or touching what truly is and it filters through whatever your trauma lenses and trauma perceptions are, Mm. that can basically crack you wide open. And I don't think people who are crazy are as crazy as we think they are. I just think that they, being shattered by coming closer to the truth than they were ready to be.
0: True, mm-hmm. interesting. Well, maybe the reality. Yeah. Is, interesting. The reality that is is too yeah. much for them to handle. Like, I have to get to work. I have to pay the bills. You know, fuck this. Yeah, yeah. and that's
1: like in, in traditional cultures, like um, sh- things like schizophrenia um, yeah. were actually like they people who were schizophrenics they would be like brought in to be shamans and stuff because they had a closer touch to the world of the infinite and the world of spirit. Wow. Whereas people who were more narrow and rigid and closed off to ideas not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but there's yeah. just two ends of the spectrum. They wouldn't have the same ability to like go into the dream world and go in with mm. the world of myth and bring that all, all of that insanity back to, back to the world because they don't have a, a strong connection to that.
0: Uh, I've read an article about that too, saying people who are schizophrenic or they can see things can be like mediums or mm. shamans. But I've worked in mental, leuna- mental, um, mental health and there's been some mm. people with schizophrenia, like I would not want them being a mm. shaman. So like yeah, of course. that yeah, guy's yeah. just crazy. Like, yeah. but um,
1: of course, you have to be very, like when you're working in Discerning. those worlds, you have yeah. to be very pure because as soon as you have any sort of impurity and like if you're here on earth right now, you're probably impure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Anything that's coming through that is just gonna rip wide open and if you mm-hmm. can't like bring yourself back, that's essentially what soul loss is or when you like lose parts of your soul and are it oh, off from wow. you. And so you've probably heard of people like they go through a really bad breakup and they can never experience love fully or entirely ever again. And so like they'll have a, a shaman lie with them and that shaman will be able to like go back and like see a part of their soul that was like drifted off from that in that moment to protect them and keep them safe. They had to hide away that part of their ego because there was Mm. so much pain there. And so essentially like whenever we experience a lot of pain that causes us to disconnect and fragment. And lose the whole of ourselves. And wow. so basically like, you can think of like the story of Adam and Eve as like the introduction of self-consciousness or vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And the moment that we experienced that pain, it was just one big concentric thought loop that just grew bigger and bigger and bigger and got more complicated. And like, we're essentially trying to bring ourselves back into connection with the whole of ourselves, wow. which okay. is emptiness nice. or love or, this, or <sighs> truth,
2: mm. I think. All uh, well, right, that's, that's, that's very interesting actually. Mm-hmm. But then like, like you've been thinking about the hemoglobin mm-hmm. go- Hemoglobin mm. and the hemoglobin thing. Yeah, like the whole time. you're still <laughs> there. Yeah, I told you. It's all connected, you know. Yeah. It's all yeah. one truth. Yeah, it's like for me, like it's I understand that it's all one truth. Mm. However, uh, like isn't the, That's the whole purpose of language, right? Like we use language to to make sense of to make sense of a reality. That's mm. the reason we 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 created language, or we were, ge- we were gifted with language. Mm. So us using language to define our reality doesn't necessarily mean that it's the truth, but it's the way that we kind of interact. I mean it's the mm. way that we can, it's the tool that we use to get closer
1: to truth. I, I definitely agree, I definitely agree. I think like we had to be almost like separated from truth or like when we came out of nature like we were like swimming in truth because we didn't have any conceptualizations and then we've kind of had to come on this massive journey to like come back to the simplicity that we were already at and kind of like the world is kind of made out of our love for emptiness and so we're kind of trying to return to like the Garden of Eden but in order to do that now we have to go through the whole of samsara or the whole of karma or the whole of conceptualization to come back to that point and so I think language is kind of like a conceptualization where we're like digging out and pointing towards underlying energies, and underlying patterns. And it's kind of a way that we can like point someone else to look in the same like nook of reality that we're looking in. But language itself is never the truth in and of itself. It's always just like a, a way of funneling attention to a certain point in reality. Yeah, yeah. And so like sometimes like you can start saying something and then you haven't finished your point, but you already know that someone else has like already thought about what you're thinking about and you're like, okay, like they get it now. I don't need to finish what I'm talking about because what I'm talking about isn't important. It's like the underlying structure that we're trying to reach has been met and so I don't need to continue explaining that. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. But how do, we, how do we link truth to like facts? Because mm. I don't know. I think there's like, at least to me, I think there's, there's, there's facts which are like, things that we can't change, that are truth, mm. truths that we can't change. You know, you know the way there's we say it, you yeah. said like the, um, the earth revolves around the sun, blah, blah, mm. blah. Those are things that we can't
1: change. So it's mm. like a solid. Yeah, there's absolute and relative truth. And I think like you could say like, it's a fact that this is black, but then like the deeper you go into it and you're like, oh, what is black? What is this? Like, how does it black in relation to something else? It's only black in like the conceptualization of our mind but like in our relative reality, it is, in our relative reality, it's absolutely true that this is black. But, um that doesn't mean that it's not important to have relative truth and relative truth is an important. It's like a lot of times in spiritual circles, people talk about Maya or illusion and we talk about it like it's a negative thing. Yeah. But I think the truth is like we're here to have these relative experiences and we're here to live in these worlds of like relative truth and narrative truth because the only thing the limitless or the divine or God lacks is limitation itself. And so I think like sometimes it's unhelpful to think in these like infinite terms where there's no such thing as truth because how are we ever going to get anywhere? How are we ever going to experience anything? Like we're actually here to experience illusion and here to experience separation. Um, for, for whatever reason, I can't be entirely sure. But essentially, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't go around and someone to say like, oh yeah this is water and be like well actually like it's the divine substrate that makes up the whole of reality and it's no different than everything else it's like yes of course there's relative truth um Mm. and there's also absolute truth and we live in a world where it's useful or pragmatic for us to look at facts as absolutes but if you like as long as you can understand philosophically the difference between having that mental understanding and having like the understanding also that these facts are Facts in the way that we traditionally understand them, even if it ultimately everything is unity and oneness and consciousness at
0: the end of the day. Awesome. <laughs> Can I just ask? Cause we had some really deep conversations just just then about mm-hmm. Christianity, religion, spirituality. In, you lost me a few times. Did this? Did you always think like this, or were there things that you did to obviously activate or expand your consciousness to these concepts?
1: Well, I. I was talking to my mom the other day and she was always mm. like, oh, you'd always ask me, like, why, 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 why? And you just get to the point that, like, I couldn't answer your questions. And I guess I'd always just, like, wanted to go deeper or understand, like, the essential nature of yeah. things. And then, like, slowly as you get older, you realize, like, ain't nobody got the answers. Yeah, and um, I got to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. mom, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of got to the point, like, I grew up in a Christian school. And when I started exploring, like, the realm of ideas and, like, mm. what was at the absolute nature of reality and we were learning about science and I saw Mm -hmm. the contradiction between science and religion, I was like, wow, this religion stuff is bullshit. Like like, (laughs) it's totally incongruent with evolution. It's totally incongruent with like everything we know about the world. Mm -hmm. And so I kinda went down the path of becoming like a full materialist atheist and Yeah, and I kind of like.
0: Did you throw out of church? Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, nah. Like, it I, was, like I never, I never was <laughs> like that. I yeah. always
1: kept things to myself. Like yeah, yeah. The same thing. I was a. Uh, um, I actually just was obsessed with ideas my whole life. I've, uh, like mm. I remember being in pre-primary and just like staring at a wall and realizing that I had the ability to just daydream. And I like get my friend and I'm like, hey, Alex, like come sit next to me and just stare at this wall, and then like your mind will just start thinking things and telling stories. It's really cool. That guys, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <jackass> <laughs> And so I just always loved like thinking and ideas and like bigger concepts and stuff like that and then eventually i got entangled in like a web of ideologies and at one point i was a a vegan a communist and an atheist all the same time and i thought vegan communist communist yeah (laughs) 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 so like you could imagine like i wasn't like staring. i didn't have like blue hair or anything at the time like talking to people but about it all the time but in my own time i was sitting at home like reading das kapital by Karl marx and then like reading about like the god delusion and how all veganism was going to save the planet and i was Mm. just like always looking for something um, well I guess I didn't know what I was looking for at the time yeah. but um, essentially like, there was something, some part of me that was looking for some concept or some narrative in which I could like live my life through and would make yeah. my life make sense and it kind mm. of took all of that falling apart and a bit of existential dread yeah. for me to like look into what religions were actually all about and what they were actually pointing to yeah. and um, yeah I guess I kind of hit this, hit this wall in high school where I was like studying and I was like, okay, this is all right. And I'm like pretty good at it, but I don't really enjoy it. And I don't really want to go to uni afterwards. And I don't really want to go to corporate job afterwards. And like, what is the point of life? Like, it doesn't feel like I'm going anywhere. Like Mm -hmm. this is all pointless. And I kind of had this like existential thing where I was like, oh my God, like I just couldn't stop thinking about like how pointless everything was and how like daunting and infinite everything seemed and how like finite my ability to control the world was. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like went into this like deep Web rabbit hole and then I discovered Jordan Peterson (laughs) 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 Peterson, and I was like wow like he's he's really great And I kind of got on that whole like self-help wave and like trying to learn more about the world and stuff like that and then like ever so slowly like Jordan Peterson started talking about the Bible in a way that was like psychological and I was like so I got really interested and actually read the whole Jewish Torah with the five first five books of the Old Testament and um, I found it really interesting but like I wasn't convinced by it um, but it was like really beautiful for me to be able to frame my life inside of these like myths and narratives and stories. And I think that's mm-hmm. something we really lack in the modern world. We're kind of like all lost sheep in a way. Like yeah. we're all wondering and trying to like, what do our friends think of us? What does society think of us? What's the right thing to do? And um, like I was already kind of like disenfranchised by that and saw, mm-hmm. saw the emptiness in it like really early just from thinking too much basically. And so yeah. <laughs> I, um, eventually I think it coincided with, um the end of my journey with veganism so i was a, a vegan for three years and like so much of Sometime. my identity got tangled into that like i wasn't yep. never like a, a pushy vegan that went around and stuff but just being in the high school environment and being I like the six first person
0: i think it's right, an experience
1: okay. like lots of people have to try you learn yeah. a lot from it and my yeah. massive amount of my life and my <laughs> growth and my journey has been informed by being a vegan but yeah. i don't think everyone has to go through yeah. go through that but um essentially like, yeah, I put up with so much shit. My nickname was like, vegan at school. I remember when I like- Oh,
0: you did it in high school? In high school. And so
1: people like, I was, when when people found out, someone was like, Jack, why aren't you eating meat in your lunch? And I was like, oh, it's nothing, you know? And my friend was like, are you vegan? And I was like, Like, no, no. I was like, like, don't (laughs) tell anyone. This is like to my best friend. I was like, don't tell anyone. But yes, I'm a vegan. And And then like five minutes later, I walk onto the basketball courts and all of a sudden like the entire year just like surrounds me in this big circle. And it's like, Jack, are you vegan? Are you I looked around and I was vegan. like, oh. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> the whole <laughs> entire year, like yeah.
0: everyone jacked vegan. That's probably funny. an exaggeration, but <laughs> <laughs> in my, in my <laughs> memory, that's, that's <laughs> what happened.
1: The whole school. That was my narrative truth. And then. Um, your
0: uh, your friends snitched you out. Man. <laughs> yeah, did. <dude.
1: laughs> yeah, man, that's the high school <laughs> environment. Like we can go into this, but high school teaches you that it's not safe to be vulnerable because it isn't in that environment. Yeah, but, um. That's like,
0: like bro, that's yeah. so fucking
1: true. <laughs> but essentially like, yeah, I got surrounded and like everyone was like, everyone was asking me all these questions like, oh. can't you do this, can't you do that, can't you do that? And I was just sitting there like taking it all in and then like one of the popular kids came up to me and he was like, oi, are you actually vegan? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, look, I can understand being vegetarian or if you're a girl, you can be vegan, but if you're a vegan, you're just a faggot. And I was like, oh, oh. oh." oh, Oh, And that just like, that just set the tone for like the next three years of like, coughing shit like 24 seven, like, and I I, like convinced myself I was just like, water off a duck's back. But like, looking back, you realize that like, the way people define you, you tend to like, Mm. take onto yourself. And so when I finally decided to stop being a vegan, it was like half of my freaking identity yeah, in the world collapsed. You suffered so much for that, for that title. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to keep this badge. <laughs> like. Yeah, and it made me so disenfranchised with the world yeah. of ideas in general. And I was like, oh, wow, like I'm attaching myself to all these external philosophies, like trying to find salvation in them. And like, essentially, like I could be so wrong. Like, I dedicated so much time into like mm. researching like, why it was the best thing ethically, morally and for the planet. To yeah. be a vegan, and I like knew all the arguments, like back to front. Same thing with like um, me, fluent, flaunting, um, like getting into communism at the yeah, time. Yeah. Like I like was researching it, I was like exactly like certain about why communism was like the best mm. way to go. Same thing with atheism, and then I realized that like I could. We're basically all delusional. We all tell ourselves these narratives and these stories, and we can convince ourselves that we're so right and we know so much. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like. We <laughs> deceive ourselves 24 7. like true. And
0: okay, so can I just cut in quickly? Of as course, well? yeah. Something that actually really stitched me up when I was yeah. vegan, I was looking into veganism and I had all these articles, the Wealth Organization, peer reviewed articles like mm. Vegan Diet's the Best Thing for You, the Blue Zones, and the, all these people, mm. you know? And you're like on the paleo community. It's like, no, this is the best. We have our studies and our research. I'm like, what do you mean? How mm. can you have both have like peer-reviewed science that contradicts each other? Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, just, that's one of the things. And I was like, I have to decide myself. Mm, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the yeah. answer that
1: I found because um, I got to the point because um, being a vegan, you have to learn so much about nutrition and. And, like I'd be reading the, the labels of everything and I put all my food into like this my fitness power equivalent that would like show you like your recommended daily intakes and everything and I was like yeah. super like tried to be really on top of it and really like in control and then when my health like I couldn't sustain it in the way I was doing it mm-hmm. I was like wow like I've read all these like World Health Organization reviewed papers and all these things and like everything that I was doing would be recommended by a dietitian, yeah. and I still couldn't sustain my health and so I wanted to be a nutritionist for like five six years at the time and then my my belief that I could like be someone who would talk the science to people and I couldn't have my own perspectives my own opinions informed by my own life perspective was like wow like I cannot go into a job where I have to be a talking head for like the science I when could. I know that the science isn't one truth the science is a bunch of narratives that yeah. are tied into like I'm not saying that we can't derive useful information from science and facts but the the truth at the end of the day, especially with things like nutrition where you're yeah. doing observational studies and science and there's biasing effects and stuff like that, is, we know much, 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 much less than we think we do. Yeah, that's about so food and health and nutrition in general. And mm-hmm. so that kind of led me down the path of like wanting to be a natural medicine practitioner where I had like that base in healing but I didn't have any like organization or body above me that was gonna say like, no, you can't recommend this to someone, you can't do this, It's this is uh, not what I, I say, this is not that, what man. like the nutrition board of Australia says or the FDA recommends and it's like 20 years ago, you would have been recommending someone the food pyramid with like bread at the bottom of it and you're like, yeah, like right. I'm not willing to do that. I'm when sorry. See, like, yeah, that's mad bro. Yeah. 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 No is, think about
0: it. I feel like when you get yeah. deeper into all this kind of stuff and you're mm-hmm. in the spiritual w- world as well, like You're like one step away from becoming the Joker, (laughs) losing your mind, like burning down the university, like at times. Like this is all like built off of like sand, like Mm. it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's
1: all castles made of sand. Like it really only takes like. And the thing is as well about about truth is, truth is like nested in layers and levels. And so before we knew about quantum (laughs) physics, we thought we were close to knowing everything about physics. And then once we discovered quantum physics and got the standard uh, equation and stuff, we were like, oh wow, we've got so much more we need to know. And now we're approaching like understanding the Higgs boson and stuff. We think that we're like, oh, we're getting closer and closer and stuff. But I'm sure there's a layer underneath that that informs everything. And all those facts that we knew about the world before, it's not that they're not true, but they're nested in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper layers of truth. And so essentially, like, it's very hubristic to think like Mm -hmm. the way that um, a lot of like people who are pro the science today talk is a way that like, they kind of feel like they have a grasp or control over what. Absolute truth is and they feel like they can say things with these absolute confidence mm. about how people can live their lives and how the brain works and how yeah. things happen it's like yes, there is a relationship between dopamine and attention but does that mean that there's not like some underlying thing that's going on before that that's informing that and stuff like that like essentially yeah. like all it takes is us to like dig a little bit deeper and our whole understanding of what the truth is becomes nested in a deeper truth True. and so I think science is beautiful, extremely useful and I refer to science all the time mm. but we have to be very careful about Putting science as God because science is a, a tool that helps us get closer to truth. It's not truth itself. True. And yeah. yeah. Science is,
2: I, I kind of feel like science nowadays in current society is still mm. very biased and skewed nowadays. Because mm. if we honestly, really, truly think about it, like let's say that you're on a riot, you want to come up with some with a completely new idea, and it's something mm. that hasn't been studied or done before. You have to reference your completely new ideas with other. Mm. Peer-reviewed papers; otherwise, it is not relevant. Mm. So they put you in the like they put you in this boundary or a box mm. where, like you, you have to, you have to, s- subject your thinking or your idea. To previous other people's ideas. Yes. Otherwise, it's not valid.
1: Yeah. yeah, and it's like a PhD. Lots of people say piled higher and deeper because essentially what's happening with science is you, because w- there's a lot of um, most of the money gets funneled into like safe research subjects. So we're coming to know more and more about less and less, less. until we yeah. know absolutely everything about nothing, and that's the direction that science is heading in at the moment. And so essentially, like because it's it seems like dangerous to like put lots of money into like a way that we're not sure that we'll get results where we, we know for sure that if we study like some molecular reaction when you eat some certain food that we've already studied and we can look into it and like put it into a drug or something like that, then all the money is gonna go towards that. But if it's like trying to find like a whole new conception of the lymphatic system or like some sort of thing like that, that's a lot of money with like uncertain results. And so money will always funnel or attention will funnel in like the easiest ways or energy will take like the path of least resistance. Yeah, yeah.
2: Which is, which is quite interesting and mm. scary as well. It's kind of like, can you imagine if you had someone like Isaac Newton or like mm. um, Einstein, and you, you're telling them, oh, you have to write a paper around your idea, but you have to reference other people's ideas to validate your idea.
1: Mm. Otherwise, it's not it's not valid, or it's not going to be accepted by society. We mm. wouldn't be anywhere. It's the same in every subject. Like even you could look at like carpentry, and someone will discover some new way to like put floors in or something, and it will like radically change everything. But like most of the money or engineering goes into like refining the systems and the techniques that we already have, and so that's really beautiful. But we need like two different ways of thinking like a zoomed in way and a way to like zoom out and like that's it applies to every level of like understanding knowledge literature art and you can look at like art and like when art went to surrealism and stuff we realized that there were these like all base shapes and understandings and emotions and colors that could be expressed in like a a more like um bedrock way or like more in touch with the psyche and so like sometimes like we just get stuck in narrow ways of thinking and that's how we operate as human beings because we're limited finite beings and we can't spread our attention in like multiple different ways and so we're kind of like striking gold or just getting lucky when we have this like new explosion of this new idea and it's just having like the humbling of yourself to recognize that like we're digging in a shallow pond in like a massive fucking ocean and we don't (laughs) we we can't really ever get close to like the perfect way or the ultimate way because Mm. we're finite and we're limited
0: also on, on your yeah. journeyings um yeah. going a- atheist and then coming back to mm-hmm. spirituality or christianity yeah. what were your sort of concepts about what god is and why has it been so distorted oh, i guess i had this idea
1: of like god is like the big man in the sky you know like when you're a kid you just get taught that like god is like the father and i, I still yeah. actually have a lot of those programmings where like i if i'm praying i'll say like i, I think of god in like masculine ways or like even though mm. i know that That god is beyond masculine and feminine Mm. i i still have a lot of that that programming um in me but i guess i just saw him as like this like overseeing figure that like was judging your life and your moral and what your morals and what you do and like checking a list of like different things like like that yeah Yeah, and then and i kind of i got really into um to spirituality before i ever got into religion um, mm. as a whole, like I got really into meditation just because I'm like someone that has a very active mind and I can yeah. kind of like, it doesn't take much for me to get like stressed out or anxious. And so I really found that meditation like had a huge effect at grounding me and like mm. returning me to my center. And so I was really interested in that. And um, my main meditation teacher, even to this day is actually an atheist and he, um, <laughs> his name's Sam Harris, but yeah, oh, he, um, he goes, was, yeah, yeah yeah he's really great and really interesting. And he's yeah. deeply studied in like I love um, Tibetan stuff. Buddhist yeah. um, meditation techniques like Dzogchen. Mm. But um, I, I started having like realizations when I was doing his program about like the non-locality of consciousness, or realizing that my consciousness wasn't located in my head. In it, from an experiential side of things, like my head and my body and everything I see and everything I hear is actually located inside consciousness. And I started having these like expansive experiences where like I was starting to realize like that consciousness wasn't as limited as um, as I thought it was. Yeah. And then also one one thing that was really crazy was I realized that the closer I came or like the more I emptied myself of the ego, or the more that I like quieted myself and came closer to the nature of my being, Mm. the more I experienced positive states of mind and love and joy. And then I slowly started looking into Buddhism and they taught that love and emptiness were the same thing. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting because the closer I come to emptying myself, the closer I come to love, peace, joy, and happiness. What do you think that is? I I think because essentially our basic nature this is quite a big claim, but I think our basic nature is love mm. or peace. And we are we are peace incarnate itself. We are truth incarnate itself. Like mm. our, our consciousness essentially contains everything ever that has been and ever will be in possibility. Like everything, the consciousness, everything exists inside of consciousness, but consciousness is not implicated in it. Yep. So consciousness contains every possibility in it, every truth, all beauty, all love is contained in the possibility web of consciousness and so i think like we're essentially trying to come into contact with what we already are mm-hmm. and so when we're stripping away the layers of illusion and the layers of separation and the layers of trauma and pain we're coming closer to our essential nature and from my personal experience the closer you become to your essential nature the closer you come to love and so that's kind of like the bedrock of my entire spiritual understanding okay. is that the closer i come to who i actually am the closer i come to love and so i essentially am relatively convinced obviously when we talk yeah. about existential things i've got to be honest like we really don't know That's anything true, at all yeah. but it, for me it really like grounds me to know that the closer i come to contact with myself the closer yeah. i come to love the closer i come mm-hmm. to truth closer can i, I, I with
0: this quickly of course if love is our essential nature mm-hmm. do you think everybody on this planet has that same essential nature or there's a few people who are just like i think it's like dark artists or like their nature is just like they want to just fuck shit up considering all the war on the planet and stuff like that. Well,
1: I, I think essentially all of that is distortions mm. of love or, or ignorance. And, not, and that's, not even, that's not even a bad thing per se because yeah. I think essentially like I, I said um, earlier that um, the only thing that Limitless lacks is limitation. And mm-hmm. so one of the, the consequences of limitation is tragedy. Tragedy is almost like has to be there if we have limitation because when we're limited, we, are, we can succumb to things that are greater than us, like natural disasters and stuff like that. So you can say, okay, we have to have natural disasters and tragedy and things because of our limited nature. But why do we have to have evil? And that's a, that's a massive question. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I believe it's because love has no currency unless it, we have the choice to love. So if we didn't have to choose to love, um, God then we would be compelled to love and then God might have just as well stayed limitless and stayed completely in itself it had to create relationships or it had to create other or the illusion of separation yep. and then we had to be able to choose to love ourselves or choose to love others and also have the ability to choose not to love so that our love had currency mm. and essentially that's where I believe that, that evil sense. comes from um, but then the world is so complex and massive, and finite and infinite and finite at the same mm-hmm. time, that I think like some people are much further distorted from from their essential nature yep. than other people are.
0: Do Do you think um, God or mm-hmm. source mm-hmm. actually created everything individually, like every plant, everything like that, or did he just sort of like how would you think this, everything would come together?
1: I think I, I like the Buddhist idea of codependent origination, or well, that everything's in this like ginormous causal matrix. And so essentially, like, that's where the idea that like every hair on your head is numbered comes from, is because. Every hair on your head couldn't have existed without the entire universe having yeah. existed, and almost vice versa as yeah. well. Like the entire universe couldn't have existed without every hair on your head
0: having existed. There is and no hair on my head. <laughs> 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 okay. okay. Bad example. Ooh, every hair on your beard.
1: <laughs> every
0: hair on your head. Yeah, yeah on my head, not yours. No. Um,
1: yeah Yeah, or even the idea that like when you're when you're starting a car what's actually causing the car to start is it your intention to start the car is it the atoms in your feet is it the solar energy from the sun stored in the fuel it's like everything is just in this massive web of causation Mm. and essentially like i think that I, i it's really it's really impossible to say because i i think that like the hindus have this idea probably distorting it a little bit that god exists entirely inside of creation but also exists Outside of creation and is wholly aware of it from an outside perspective. Yeah. I'm not essentially sure. Uh, I had this weird that. theory, mm-hmm.
0: right? That, so God created the, everything just yeah. instantly, but it actually worked very mystically. Mm. Uh, there was no Adam, none of this stuff. But as we became to think and evolve, us with God were evolving. Mm. We were looking for answers, and then we would create the answers before we found them. So we come up with oh, God's like, oh, shit, quickly. They're looking deeper into things. Like mm. Let's think about it now. You know, put, put <laughs> That's Adams hilarious, bro. And put atoms into it. Yeah. As we're finding <laughs> and discovering it, it's being created <laughs> as we are discovering it.
1: I think there's probably like, that's such a new idea to me that I don't really have anything to say to it. (laughs) But I think like there's some deep truth in that, you know. That
0: that looks uh, like a family guy skit, dude. (laughs) So it's possible because like. God's God's like, like, oh "Oh, shit, they're they're (laughs) looking behind the wall. It's like, is the tree
1: really there? No one sees it.
0: (laughs) But it's possible because like if we are God and we are reflections of his mind or extensions of his mind as we are seeking is being made as one because we are all just one unit evolving Mm. ever upwards I
1: think it's entirely possible because I think of the world that we live in as like almost like a collective dream Mm. or essentially like we are all like dreaming up reality and we all live inside of this dream and we're all constantly projecting onto the world and the world's projecting onto us and so the world outside of us as we see it doesn't exist anything like what we're seeing it's just this field of whatever the initial source energy or matter was expanded from the big bang. And essentially it's just like still just this massive field of energy, but we're projecting all these images and stories and narratives. And one of the things that I learn about human cognition is when you see like a glass of water, I'm not seeing a glass of water. I'm seeing something that I lift and put to my lips and hydrates me. And then I'm seeing the mug. Yeah. And so essentially like we are continually creating our reality instantaneously. And it's like, to what extent does reality exist in the way that we, um, formalize it outside of us barely at
0: all i think so back makes the vegan thing yeah you do so much study and so much research into all this evidence that it's the right thing to do Mm. but you go to ayurvedic medicine and eat based on your energy group Mm. and you have amazing results yeah make sense it's almost like backwards in a way Mm. but forwards in the reality it's one of the things i find
1: so interesting about ayurveda is Mm. um because it's kind of a it's built out of like empirical wisdom or like what they found actually works but there's also like an underlying logical system inside of it and the way that the logical system works is it's it's almost like mythologized like you're talking about these like energy patterns moving in people's bodies and that's the way Mm. the system works and so because I I've grown up in a Western world. I have the, the scientific conception of the body, but I also have the energetic conception of the body from Ayurveda, and it's really interesting because they start from very different foundations, but quite often they, they link up in how you're, how you're solving a problem. And so truth can start from two different roots, almost. Like you can start from one perception where everything um, starts as atoms, and you can come from another perception where there's the five great elements or states of matter like earth, wind, fire. Air. Yeah, and ether, but then you can still, they'll arrive at the same conclusions and the same truth and like mm. say in um, in okay. Ayurveda, like they've got like the meridian Nadi system and like the left nostril crosses over to the right brain and the right nostril crosses over to the left brain and so they knew that if you were breathing through the left nostril, you're activating the right brain and cooling the body down and stuff like that. Really? And it was only like five, ten years ago. Wait, do they switch or yeah they? Yeah, they swap, s- they swap, they swap over. Swap. Yeah, yeah. So same thing with the eyes as well. The left eye goes to the right brain, I'm pretty sure, and the right eye wow. goes to the left. And so so like,
0: sorry, just a quick question. Mm-hmm. If you're like doing harpe or whatever, through the mm-hmm. right nostril, that'll go to the left side of the brain, activating the logical Yeah, side. I mean,
1: I'm, I'm sure like it does both to an extent, yeah. but I know that, yeah, if you breathe um, through one nostril, activate one side of the brain more than cool. the other side. And um, yeah, and then it's only been recently that science has discovered that the crossover and that the brain is actually mirrored and that the left side of the body is controlled by the right side of the brain and stuff like that. And they came uh, yeah. to it from the nervous system and meridians and nadis. Stuff, but both systems came to that same set of facts, but from radically different base truth claims. Yeah. And so it says a lot about like what we, the narrative nature of truth, because like it's just as true, I, I think, that the world is made of atoms as it is that the world is made of like elements. Like I, I will mm. have to explain exactly what's meant by elements, but like the, the idea that the world is made of atoms is like a scientific conception or, or picture, and it's it's true to an extent, but we we don't actually know what fucking atoms are. At the end of the day.
0: Well, apparently (laughs) electrons, Yeah, only one electron exists and it's the same electron in every single atom. You heard of that theory? Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I've heard of it, but like, yeah, I'm sure, like, yeah. Who knows (laughs) if it's true, but like, it makes sense that like everything's in like a superposition of of energy. essentially there's fields. So what we do know about the world now is that there's fields and so there's like, basically everything is like a vibration inside Mm -hmm. of a field and so maybe you could say like, I'm not essentially sure on this, we might be making fools of ourselves, but <laughs> essentially, yeah. there could be like a field which is like represented by electrons, and everything is just like a vibration in a different area of that field. And so, everything is like connected to the archetype of the electron. And so, mm-hmm. only one yeah. electron exists archetypally, but then you could also say that like every atom also has an electron, but that at the end of the day, there's only one proton, one electron, one neutron in an archetypal sense. Yeah. yeah or there's the only one human, which would be like Christ in an archetypal sense and stuff true, like that. So,
2: so wouldn't that therefore mean like the mm-hmm. elements are just like the same electron, but a different number of them, right? Isn't that how it generally works?
0: Yeah. Can you repeat yeah. that? I didn't.
2: So like, <laughs> so every, every element is just, is the same proton, neutron and electron, but it's just a different number of the electron. Yeah. It's a different configuration so of the yeah. same energy,
1: mm-hmm. essentially.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh. Yeah. I think that's so the so truth so Yeah. It makes sense.
0: Yeah. It's a slightly different vibration, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. I read this thing. Have you heard of Crash Course on YouTube? Yes, I've watched a lot crash of it. Crash Course so. got me through university. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would just watch their videos and plagiarize it, and it wouldn't get caught up. Mm. For some reason, it didn't. You can cross check your words, but not the actual videos. The video, uh, okay. So yeah, like, literally <laughs> it, was, it was so good. But mm. they okay, were so that the um, electrons are actually just different frequencies of sound surrounding the actual. What, what's the thing in the middle? Nucleus? nucleus. Yeah, yeah, nucleus. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been a while, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude! Yeah. Can we um, bring it back to uh, uh, Christ? Mm. Do you think that Jesus is the Christ, or Jesus was using the Christ, and what is Christ's consciousness? I essentially.
1: About? So, I don't actually know if Jesus existed as a real person yeah. or not. But the, the essential idea that I get from my interpretation of the Bible yeah. is that Jesus it's was a man. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my we hair, ha- man. We are all Christ. <laughs> <That's> yeah, <true>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that Jesus was like um, was a man, like a, a regular man, and essentially that he was able to connect or align his ego with the divine will and so him and the divine became one or he and the father are the same and there's no separation between him and the father and so i essentially think that the, the buddhists uh, buddha and christ are man connecting to the same thing and you even have in Buddhism the idea of a bodhisattva, which is someone who's cleansed all of their karma but come back to earth to cleanse the karma of others. Wow. And so I essentially think, and also I think that the ultimate expression of divine love is mm-hmm. to sacrifice your connection to love for the love of others. And essentially that's what Jesus did when he was crucified. And wow. so I, and it also, Jesus also talks about like when you visit um, a family member in hospital or when you visit a friend who's in prison or when you help the poor, in helping them, you are christ is there in all of those people and you're helping christ and there's also this idea Mm. of like the collective body of christ and this is even in like mainstream christianity it's called the communion of saints but essentially like we and saint paul talks about this is that we are all this like collective body of christ that is trying to like purge sin from the world and like return us back to our eternal holy nature and at the at the tip of the spear Is Jesus Christ Himself. And then, like, we're all like coming out of Him, like almost like an archetypal figure. And that all of us, in like an archetypal sense, are Christ because we are all carrying our cross and all carrying our burden Mm. um, to cleanse our karma, essentially. Wow.
0: So, what if the two of that cross is like Christ, but on an energetic basis, is that He's channeling energy from from God or from mm. some other group that's higher than him mm. into humanity as like some kind of electrical transformer. Well, that's
1: that's what I meant to say, is that right. I didn't mean to say Christ is in like the physical person. I meant to say Christ is yeah, yeah, yeah. in like the oh, alignment yeah. with like divine will, because mm. essentially what Jesus, when when Jesus talks about like, he was like a sinless being, was essentially yeah. that he had totally aligned his ego expression um, against selfish self-interest and for the benefit mm. of all. And wow. so essentially he, is the embodiment of what it means to live
0: a life um, of indwelling love. And if, if we, we can do that, align mm. ourselves with, with God, do you reckon we have powers of, of healing, of levitation, of like mm. profound mystical wisdom and these things?
1: It's really interesting. Like, um, I'm not actually sure. I get it. I get it. Okay,
2: awesome.
0: <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Where were we? I can't remember. I Fuck. We were talking about Christ,
1: Christ and like the, the communion of saints and like the collective body of Christ.
0: Oh yeah, so do you think if we actually attain that Christ consciousness or oh, yeah, if aligning that. with God, we actually will have power to be able to heal people with touch and I think almost
1: certainly, but I also am not even sure um, how possible it is to to achieve mm-hmm. to achieve Christ Christhood. Like you you hear a lot about enlightenment and nirvana and like absolute cleansing and purity, but like how many of these people have we we seen? Like how many of them are there out there? Like I, I personally Ryan Rodrigo like yeah
2: <laughs> I don't know you know, you know you know back in the day when you used to watch those like mm. those um Christian like TV channels where the people used to go there to look for healing mm. and they like touch they them like and they, fall, in, head, yeah. and they fall, on the, fall on the floor and stuff I don't know it's like yeah. maybe that's possible well
1: I used to be really skeptical like even after I had like my interest in spirituality stoked like i was still very skeptical about things like astrology and and reiki and that mm-hmm. kind of jazz and it was only like until i actually started having experience like working with reiki healers that i was like okay there is like undeniably like something something yeah. to this and there is something to like being able essentially what reiki practitioners talk about is that they're channeling unconditional love or source like through themselves and becoming a conduit for that and so i think that we can tap into mm. the unlimited or the divine or the Christ nature. But I'm somewhat skeptical that we can we can achieve it, to be honest mm. as a whole. I, I think we can, but it's just maybe at this stage on earth <laughs> we're not we're not ready for it. And I think yeah. we're kind of meant to to drag out this this finite experience and like live in our our limited nature. And I think like probably when we die we'll be like, Whoa, that was a fucking roller coaster and like <laughs> yeah. it'll be a blast. And so I think like there's a lot, there's a lot of work to do and a lot to experience inside of our finite hood. And mm-hmm. I don't think we should be in any rush to like immediately cleanse all of our karma and like be completely gone from earth and like obtain Nirvana like straight away because I think like we can live a worldly life filled with extraordinary love. Mm-hmm. And so I think like there's too much, too much emphasis put on the the end and not the means. And I think yeah. like the means in itself, like this love is literally flowing everywhere. There's love in everything and we just have to connect to that and embrace it and be happy as we are as we're moving through this journey. And like whether or not it's actually possible to obtain Christ or enlightenment, I think it is, but I don't know it is and I'm Mm -hmm. having fun on the journey and my life's getting better the more that I connect to that. So it's just trusting that process and trusting that journey and Mm -hmm. if it happens, it happens. And I think like at the end of the day, we if we're going to become enlightened, we have to lose our attachment to enlightenment anyway.
0: Attachment to enlightenment. Yeah, <laughs> I have attachment to a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Not enlightenment. Um, <laughs> what am I gonna say? Oh yeah. So, mm-hmm. have you have any experiences that have really rattled you and changed your beliefs? Like in meditation, you had you're talking about some kind of experiences where you could. Mm. But anyway, I can't think of a word. Yeah, I I, I've
1: <laughs> had some like absolutely like mind-bending, shattering experiences yeah. on, on psychedelics. Oh really? For sure. Oh, really? Yeah, like um. I don't know, like my my only real, real experiences of of ego death have been on psychedelics, and it's okay. been like some of the most beautiful experiences in my life. And it's like to connect to that like that loving presence. Like Jesus referred to the to God as Abba or loving father. Mm-hmm. And I can really relate to that, that energy. Like there's something about you're completely gone and you just like you're empty, but inside of that emptiness is just like indwelling like loving presence that's just like holding you and making you feel like mm. safe and loved and and it's that, that unity or like oneness oneness feeling that like indwells at the base of everything yeah. and um but on the flip side of that the scariest most horrible experiences of my life have also been on psychedelics oh, yeah. and so like i mean essentially um what i've talked about before on this podcast was just how When we're mental illness is essentially the the infinite being funneled through the finite and shattering it. And the reason that I say that is from personal experience. Is like um, when you've like when you start to ponder things like existential topics like good and evil um, on psychedelics, and you realize like how massive and infinite and archetypal like those kind of concepts are. It's absolutely beautiful when you experience the love polarity. But when you experience suffering polarity, and that channels through your nervous mm-hmm. system like i've i've been in situations where i've been convinced that i was going to have to go through the collective suffering and karma of all humanity for all time all at once through my entire being like you, you, and, you, and you, if you I, do I didn't Christ, do it and if i didn't do it yeah everybody want to be crushed or they got to be crucified yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> but so i wouldn't spurt. mind make it quick yeah. 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 <laughs> nah <laughs> nah <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah i remember like being in this experience and i had these like three like basically like satanic goats coming towards me and they were going to like deliver me like this like, poison like actual chalice. actual goat, goat human they were actual goats with like red eyes and I just remember being like praying like so heavily like, God come back, give me like one more moment of life, one more moment of life. And then I, this goat came to me and I was like, fuck off, yelled at it, Did you hear and it? It, it disappeared. And then all of a sudden this guy came out of his house with a flashlight and I was like, God's returned. He's <laughs> came back to <laughs> me like, oh my God.
0: But- This, this is all internal God. vision. This yeah. is,
1: oh, no, 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 this, well the, the goats weren't real, but the guy was real and the field was real. And like- The guy with the the guy with torch was real. I was, so essentially like, <laughs> I it had thrown throw my mind. shoes <laughs> away and thrown my phone away because yeah. I was like, at the start of this trip, I was like, Channeling divine presence, and I just yeah. felt like so safe and comfortable. Mm. And so I'd thrown everything away and gone wandering into this field. Well, when you
0: say throw it away, like you actually mean like my, throw it away, or you put it? Yeah, away my shoes and my phone like were like back at this party oh, I was at, okay. and then I
1: was like miles away, like in some random dude's field. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> and, um, that's the next level. Yeah, but essentially, like yeah, I've I, I think what psychedelics do is they open you up, or they they dissolve the finite, or what what keeps you contained, and then you can access higher energies of love. Or of ignorance, suffering, and evil, mm. and so my experiences connecting to both ends of those polarities has like radically informed my out view of the world, which essentially is that like we are here to have finite experiences and as limited beings like we we're kind of really playing with fire and playing with something that we don't understand Mm -hmm. when we get to these places and um i think like there's a lot to be learned and a lot to be gained from these things but the pursuit of spiritual wisdom for the sake of spiritual wisdom i think is like extremely dangerous because the truth is it's not all just love and light if you look out in the world there's extreme and immense suffering and pain and evil and so essentially like i think that to stay grounded in our own life and do what we can in our own life and bear our own cross is like mm. what's important at the end of the day and that those things will come to us when we're ready for them and we have to have a certain level of purity I think to yeah. be able to chase these experiences because I see so much and it really worries me um, so many people out there who are just like oh I've got to have a heroic dose of psychedelics I've got to experience like ayahuasca in the jungle mm. and stuff like that and it's like why don't you like start slow, like dip your toe in the water, like because you don't really don't know what you're like getting your head into yeah. when you delve into the realm of like the spirit.
0: What would be like? Mm-hmm. A, something to start slow for people who want to get into it. You reckon? Like start with a small dose of magic mushrooms mm-hmm. or
1: something like that, and just like work your way up from yeah. there. Because I think like I was very influenced by the Terence McKenna types who were like take five grams and like pitch blackness in your room and like just like communicate with like yeah. aliens and stuff like that. And i have like you, have
0: you experienced communication with a spirit or alien or some kind of other things? I, that that like I have seen <laughs> lots crazy. of entities. Yeah, oh, I've really? seen lots
1: of entities. Like um I've had this experience on LSD where I was like, there was this monkey like laughing at me and all of a sudden I realized it was like my ancestors. And then all of a sudden I just saw like hundreds and hundreds yeah. of like Monkey faces that had like the spirits of my ancestors like looking down at me. I've consistently seen this image of this like uh, really skinny black woman with a spear Mm. looking at me, and I've I've, like yeah, I mean it's it's very common the higher the higher doses you go to like your because it's almost like I see them as like in the same way in a dream you can have a character in your dream that like is completely made up by your mind but has a mind of its own and it can tell a joke and have a punchline. That you don't know the answer to, and will find funny when you hear it, but you don't know what they're about to say. Yep. And so we can we have the ability to like project out our our world into like characters and myths. And the more, the higher the dose you take, the more likely that you'll start to yeah. to split like that. Um, yeah. I, do,
0: I do find when it's like seeing entities, you had mm. like you're visioning a monkey laughing. Mm. Maybe that was just like your your thi- that's your thinking mind in a way. Mm. Maybe that was going on, and then. You had a glimpse of peace or oneness, or Mm. and everything was clear. You saw all your ancestors, but it was still intertwined with your thoughts as well. Mm. Did you find that if you, when you're in that experience of having those visions or seeing your ancestors? that you take time to really quiet in your mind and then you start to see more mm. and more and more of what, what is really happening rather yeah. than your thoughts intermingling. That's
1: definitely one of the experiences I've had um, yeah. with psychedelics is just like, it's like um, I kind of think of like the ego or the mind as like a clenched fist and we're trying mm. to like slowly like relax our grasp and just like, once you relax the fist, then it just you just become one with what is yeah. and just you stop holding on. And so that's one something that, because you can't really help but have an ego death, the higher dose of psychedelics you have, yep. especially if you like lean into it and relax, well, you can kind of feel like the layers of attachment and the layers of like what is uh, an ego separation. Death? How
0: would you define what it is and how it works?
1: I would say an, an
0: ego death is like
1: the narrative or the, the, so the story or the way that we perceive and define our reality is, is through the lens of being a separate self mm. and essentially like the more that you dissolve your attachments and resistances to the world, the more that you just slowly realize that like, I'm not uh, a person inside of my head experiencing an external world. Like in one sense, you definitely are. But this whole world that I'm seeing, like um, the walls in front of me, all of you are actually existing inside of my consciousness from an experiential point right now. And so when you have an ego death, it's kind of like a recognition that you are one with everything you've ever experienced and one with everything and all that there is and wow. so it's actually experience of unity and a dissolution of the idea of separation.
2: So is it is it, is it different to like knowing there's oneness and ex- and mm. experiencing it? Yeah, there's definitely
1: a difference between knowing and experience for sure. Yeah. It's like
0: knowing a cake but never really being in it. it like you, don't, you don't know yeah. a cake you've had a bite,
1: Yeah, the uh, the inconceptual is beyond conception. Like right. you can't conceptualize before the conception. The you can't You it. can't say like you can't say like oh yeah, what happened before time because you can't think of, talk about time outside of time. And you can't say like, what, it, where is the outside of space? Because you can only understand where inside the idea of space. And so you can only, you can't really conceptualize outside of the conception of reality yeah, that yeah. you have. It's, it has to be experiential.
0: As you were saying That's that, so I so imagine good. like, myself on the edge of mm-hmm. a cliff, and like, you keep saying things in such a beautiful way. I, mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm like getting blown by the wind. I'm like, it's too much, man. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or
1: not, this is not like all I talk about all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
0: It's interesting
2: though. Yeah, think It's, yeah, yeah. it's interesting how this kind of conversation.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. So, when you're having
0: all these experiences on like reality and trying to conceptualize things and the nothingness, mm. h- how how would someone go about finding purpose and meaning in their lives as far as the practicality aspect of it?
1: Mm. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one of the reasons why I've taken a huge step back from like trying to understand like all these infinite concepts and trying to like really ground myself in my body and my understanding because we can get so lost in what absolute reality is that we forget that we're here to have a finite experience. I feel like I've said that 10 times now, but essentially like, yeah, yeah, I think essentially like, it is extremely important to find our limited purpose on this Mm -hmm. earth. And I think like courage is essentially love in the face of the menialities and the the obstacles of everyday life. And so it's to find courage in like chasing your bliss and what lights your heart on fire. Because I think Mm -hmm. the closer that you you get to your calling like it literally ignites you like i don't know if you've ever had an opportunity where like something r- some really cool opportunity has come to your life and you've got to decide whether you want to do it and it's just like instead of just thinking like, oh yeah i should do that it's like this full body like fuck yeah i need to do this like this is so aligned for me right now or some like anytime you have a synchronicity that's like god like peeling back the curtain and being like hey like i'm here you're on the right path kind of thing yeah. and so i think like essentially like you just got to find what what lights you on fire and what like makes you what fills your cup while you're filling other people's cup. And I think that's, that's where we find our purpose. And obviously like Mm. it's a lot easier once you're already on the path. Like for some people, they're like, I have no idea what I want to do. Like we all come out of like high school and we think like, oh fuck, I've got to go to university or I've got to go to TAFE and I've got to do this. And we're kind of like, just like most people are kind of like, I know I was like just flicking through the university book, like, oh, this sounds like something I could tolerate doing for the rest of my life. It's not really like a, oh yeah, I'd love to do that. And so it's, it's really hard. Hard for people to find that thing, and I think it's a really individual journey. Like, I don't think I could tell you what your purpose was, or you could tell me yeah. what my purpose is. It's just something that you have to come to on your mm-hmm. own through living your life to
0: your fullest extent. Hundred percent. I'm the code perfectly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: of course. <laughs> 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 oh. Sorry, guys. One sec. What was that? What are oh. you saying? Someone's just in my driveway and knocking on the door. Um. <laughs> 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 He's gonna drop another box on the floor. <laughs> 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 Instead sort of oh.
2: handing it to you, That no, fuck. Jesus Christ, that guy. Yeah. Do you He's live here? No, I no, don't, no, I live in Canada. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, in but Brett lives
1: here? Yeah, Brett lives here. Oh, okay. yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: It's pretty, sorry guys, how rude. Um, another another package? Another package.
1: Amazon Prime. Mm. I, I don't know if you're the same, but I always go through cycles where like, I don't have any deliveries for a while. And then like, I've just bought like seven things at once. It and it like comes together. for a week, like it all yeah. comes
0: at once. And you just feel like kids in a candy store. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm trying to upgrade my life with as much medicine as possible.
2: Mm. Wait, you, what medicine did you get
0: from Amazon Prime? I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeff Bezos is sacred seed. S- <laughs> <laughs> uh, what direction should we go in? I was going to ask you about um, when it comes to things like energy protection and when you're seeing entities and of mm. that nature or even other people's energy. Yeah. Do you feel like you're affected by other people's energies? That's a really
1: interesting, I think like, yes, yep. we definitely are affected by other people's energies and like, but it's, it's very hard to know, um, like this is something I haven't fully alchemized in myself, what is projection and what is actually someone else's energy. Mm. So I do a lot of massage work and a lot of the time in a massage like, you, you think you're picking up someone else's vibe or you think like, oh, this is a really crap massage. Like, I bet they're hating it right now. Or like, yep. oh, I had to do it faster today so I'm not on flow and I feel a lot of whack and it's like, I'm probably picking up that they're out of whack. And in mm-hmm. the end, they'll be like, wow, that was amazing. Can I book in next week? And you're like, oh, like, wow. what, what the hell's going yeah. on? You know? Or even like if you're really close to someone and you think like they're feeling something and like sometimes, uh, most of the time they are, but like quite often you're projecting onto them as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think like it's very very difficult to know but almost certainly we do pick up on the energy and like you even feel it like when you're hanging out with certain people you'll feel a certain vibe or feel a certain way compared to when you're hanging out with other people. True, and it kind of ties in yeah. to something that in science is called the theory of mind. And so essentially like, I, you've never actually experienced unless you've had some sort of deep like meditative experience with them, you've never actually experienced anyone as they are. You've only ever experienced your projection of them. And the, the more you get to know someone, the more that your projection of them and who they actually are tends to line up but essentially we have this thing called a theory of mind where we are constantly thinking about what other people are thinking, how they're perceiving us, how they're perceiving themselves, what they want and how they're thinking about us. Mm -hmm. And so people talk about autism as a deficiency in the theory of mind or an inability to think about and articulate the ways that other people are feeling. And so we're constantly, basically like I was saying before, like everything that you're experiencing is from a neurological perspective, is it's entirely, entirely, internally generated and everything that you're perceiving, hearing, and seeing right now, is just you, there's, there's almost mm-hmm. like no one else here. Even mm-hmm. though I do believe that you're real and you're actually here, I'm only experiencing you as like a projection from the inside of my mind through the lens of my biases and yeah. insecurities and prides and stuff like that. I think the same about you, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really here now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man. That's,
0: it's a yeah. trip, it's a trip. Yeah, it's one of the that.
1: craziest things to think about is like if you're only ever experiencing yourself what is your relationship and experience to other people and so, why so can they control how we feel so strongly?
0: So what if, right, mm. you need only pe- be with mm. people or even see people who are mm. actually on your vibration or resonant frequency. Mm. If someone else was vibrating out of turn with you, you, mm. just, you just would not see and they wouldn't be in your reality. Or maybe you'd just be repulsed by each other, like, I'm mm. like it, I don't like well, <laughs> like I don't like either. why um, you
2: wouldn't like, be attracted or hang out with some people yeah Yeah. I was
0: gonna say like I'm not sure I would go
1: to like that extent like it's possible like stuff like that but I think it's definitely true that we, we are like vibrational magnets for things in our lives. And then whatever mm. we haven't resolved in ourselves, like you quite often see if someone has like daddy issues, then they'll like get into a relationship with someone who will play mm. out that same issue they had with their dad. And then they'll break up with that relationship and they'll get a new job. And then the same issue they had from their dad and in the relationship will show up with their boss. And it's <laughs> like, we constantly are like attracting people like magnets or like teachers into our lives mm. to like teach us lessons or resolve like our karma in yeah. a way. And so I think like, it's definitely true that we only see people or we're attracted to people that like have something that interacts or uh something in common or in opposition to something that we have inside of us
0: because i remember smoking weed once and i was chilling with a friend and i only remembered the one time (laughs) that's that one time um but i was chilling chilling with this friend and i could just it was just Next level. I was yeah. so high, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, I am my stepdad. All like mannerisms, mm. characteristics were in me, mm. and this girl's like replicating what my my mum would do. Same mm. characteristics. And I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, this is mm. fucked. Like, this is not healthy. You yeah. know? But, but there are just so many polarities in that situation. Mm. Like, wow, this is. Yeah. Isn't that
2: generally how most relationships are? Like, you're, yeah. you're kind of just looking for reflection of yeah your mom, your dad, or yeah or something but else. sometimes
0: seeing elements in my parents that are in me, I don't like, because I don't Mm. didn't didn't like, but Mm. I'm triggered by that, because it's obviously in me to be
1: fixed. Yeah, Yeah. they say like when you're entering into like a relationship with someone, and you wanna know what will trigger um, you about them, ask them what they hate the most about their parents, and almost like every time, what they hate about their parents will be like their negative qualities as well, like in some like twisted or unique, distorted way. And so like, yeah, we're definitely the unfinished business of our parents. Yeah. And so like, that's what, so essentially the way I see karma is there's all these like collective traumas and patterns and cycles that play out through the generations. But of course, like technology changes and the world changes and our relationships change. But these like patterns of trauma or the ways we interact with the world that exist inside of us, but also outside of us. They exist only inside of our minds, but these ideas exist beyond any one of us and they almost exist in like the collective consciousness or the collective unconsciousness of mankind, Mm -hmm. are continually like getting worked out and grown and shrunk through us. And we're kind of like, we kind of are the creator of decisions around what we do with these like, these forces that exist outside of us but operate through us.
2: Beautiful, very
1: well articulated. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what do you think fear actually is? I think at the end of the day, it's an inability to accept what is or a resistance. Mm. Um, but anything that makes us feel disconnected or unsafe from from love, it's basically a, a distortion distortion of love. But mm. I don't think that fear in a, in and of itself is a negative a negative thing. Mm. But it is at the root of all of our distortions and all of our trauma is the fear of loss like every human being is once like every time that we're dishonest it comes from a fear of loss every time we lie it comes from like a fear that someone won't like us or we'll lose something or we'll lose some sort of relationship and so like every human being like stands like one step away from dishonesty as long as they have fear in their life and we all stand at like the gate of a door of revelation that if we were to step past that fear and and break open with honesty like we could break into like a new uh, perception or a new relationship and i don 't know i don 't know about you but I' found like that honesty is like th- the fastest gateway for like progress in relationship to yourself and others like yeah. anytime that i 've like had a a barrier with a friendship and I've just been decided to just open up about an issue I've had with them or internal pain I'm going through or something. Their ability to love me has been massively increased because you can only be loved as deeply as you can love yourself. And whatever barriers you have up to loving yourself or you're being dishonest with yourself, no one will ever be able to break through that wall and you have to break it down yourself. And so we all, I think honesty is one of the highest, the highest virtues because truth and love, I think are synonyms.
0: I resonate with that. I had goosebumps Mm. as you were saying that. Yeah, It was like,
2: isn't that um, one, of, one of Jordan Peterson's twelve rules of life? Probably. Yeah, I'm very yeah, yeah.
0: brainwashed by Jordan Peterson.
1: Like half of my ideas are from him. <laughs> <So> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's powerful, man. Yeah, I, I, I actually
0: really love his stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just like he, he has definitely got like a bit of like a a boomer quality or an old man quality where he gets like really hung up on like the small stuff and like mm. sometimes I get turned away from that. But like the root of his ideas and like yeah. the the depth that he has, like he's transformed the lives of so many people around the world yeah. and like. Yeah, you meet so many amazing people who have like been radically changed by Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Jordan Peterson was like a crucial, crucial part of like, mm. crucial part of like my last probably like four years. Mm. It was like when, when I think I'm not sure who introduced me to him first, and I was like, oh, okay, this is quite interesting. But I'm not gonna lie, I think mm. he was delving really deep into like politics mm. and stuff mm. at, at the time. I think it, it, yeah. that was like. Um, when the whole age of like the transgenderism and everything, it mm. started with around the language around that. Mm. And I was listen, listening to it, I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then I got into like his other stuff and like listened to his mm. audiobook and stuff. I haven't listened to the new one, but he's, he's the way he articulates stuff is very very precise mm. and very interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I agree with like everything you said. Like I, I yeah. think the, the political side is like an absolute quagmire that like, it, obviously it's important that if we have like a political opinion and stuff, not to like, allow the world to walk over us, But um, as someone who used to be very interested in politics, especially when the whole like Donald Trump thing was happening, I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. Like this is like populist outsider coming in and the establishment's rebelling and there's like all these forces at play and like stuff like that. And I was like, this is super interesting. And I got really into it at the time. And then I slowly realized like same thing with conspiracy theories is that like, I was projecting way too much of my thoughts and and how I felt about myself like onto these external ideas and people that don't actually represent me. And at the end of the day, I was like the, the biggest or the biggest lever of change I have in my life is myself. Mm-hmm. And if I had dedicated all this energy I'm dedicating into like figuring out what the correct political opinion is on this like niche topic and like who's right in this argument and like yep. how deep this conspiracy goes versus how much it's coincidence and stuff like that and arguing with people about it and getting salty, I was like, this is not serving me or the interests of this in the slightest. If I develop myself, and become a more love-centered person and heal my relationships in my life, mm. that is way more efficacious for creating a better world mm. than like going on Facebook and sharing an article about like some <laughs> certain political issue and then arguing with my friends in the That's comments true. or something like That's that. And so I yeah. had a massive step away. Like, <laughs> it's not that I'm not interested in politics anymore, but it's just that like I don't pin anywhere near much as much as my identity because I know that I had the opposite political opinions than I do now, like five years ago, and so I know that like. I don't hate anyone who has the opposite opinion to me because I'd be hating myself from five years ago. And mm-hmm. so like having that like, recognition and like, knowing that like, it's not someone's ideas that are important and people's ideas are actually the least interesting thing about them quite often. Yeah. And so it's like recognizing that and recognizing that we all have shared common interests and goals and trying to like, come from a place of love I think mm-hmm. is a lot more important than trying to convince someone that your political ideology is correct. That's fucking right on Yeah, Because yeah, I think true. if I had like total dictatorial power all of my blind spots would be projected so far out in the world that even though I think I have all these good ideas and stuff like that, I'm sure it would lead to chaos and, oh, yeah. and anarchy oh, yeah. in some ways. And like, yeah, anytime people get power, they, they, that's when they realize that like, they haven't thought their ideas out fully. Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. a lot, it's very easy to like, sit in the corner and be a backseat driver and be like, oh, they should have done this, they should have done that. But mm. it's a, a different ball game to actually have yeah. ideas play out in the world and, in, and swim around in like the realities of
0: And I'm sure the, the dictator, they would have a lot of yes men as well. Mm. We wouldn't better point in these things out to them. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Then you get the guess that that's why you'd have to have like a proper council. Mm. You know what I mean? Like otherwise like The Senate. <laughs> the Senate, yeah. Mm. Even though the, the Senate is just as corrupt as well. Yeah. But like what other if we were to like if we were to like um, create a system mm. that kind of like functions through a composition of like love and truth, mm. but how would we do that?
1: I, my current way of thinking, and I don't wanna delve too political, but I I basically think that the answer is in blockchain and cryptocurrency. Not in that that they're gonna make everyone rich and stuff like that, but essentially that decentralization is the answer because right now there is such a massive push towards centralizing everything and having like yeah. centralized currencies and centralized non-governmental organizations and stuff like that. And I think it's important that we cooperate on a mass scale, but I also think it's important to respect the autonomy and individuality of communities and individuals. And the best way to do that is to have decentralized, um, basically blockchain things that are, allow for complete autonomy inside of like local systems, but also being plugged into like the larger matrix and Of course like the actual full implications of that i'm not going to be the one to set that in place but i have massive hope for the future that if decentralized um computing systems can like come to be used in politics um that that has massive potential for opening up freedom because what freedom is for me is totally different than what freedom is for someone else like i know i have quite a few people in my life who like want to like escape society and live on a farm because they think it's like too tyrannical that they have to pay to have like um someone do pick up their like trash like once a week or something and for me like i'd much rather like live in a society where someone comes and picks up my trash so for me that's freedom and having like a trash man come every week but for him that's tyranny and so we have to respect that the rights and what everyone wants is is radically different different. and we can't pigeonhole everyone into like some sort of global system and that's kind of what i see the biggest divide at the moment is like between centralization and the respect for individual autonomy and that's kind of what's being played out on the world stage at the moment with like Klaus Schwab and like the World Health Organization and and all these like uh, World Bank and stuff like that. And I think like when whatever coming economic crisis happens is gonna be the testing point about whether like we're gonna move to some sort of global centralized currency system that's controlled by like some sort of global um, political body or whether we're gonna move to a system where like everyone cooperates but we respect like individuality and stuff like that. And so I think it's all gonna play out and like I don't have all the answers but it's extremely interesting to see the direction the world's going in. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, 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 it's very interesting. I think especially yeah. like a, a, a next five years is like a mm-hmm. very crucial like pivot point.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. it'll be extremely inter- interesting. I think the yeah. biggest part of it, because right now there's a massive rabbit hole, but right now the entire global currency system is, is based on debt. And so money is actually, most people think the money's created by central banks, and it is to an extent, but money is actually created um, through the creation of debt. And so when a bank lends you money for your house, that money doesn't actually exist. They print that money out of thin air and then they they put it back when the money comes back with the interest on top. But essentially because it's money is created by debt, you have to have a continually increasing supply of debt to pay back that debt. And so the yeah. world right now is in like this like humongous Ponzi scheme, essentially where like we have to continue lowering interest rates and creating like more debt and more debt and more debt. And as soon as like there's any sort of fracture in the world instead of like doing something for the bottom, they have to send money to the financial system because what's happened instead of the financial system being the top of society, it's become the very bedrock of society where all money comes from and flows through. And so essentially like that system is so inherently corrupt, it's like one big tower of Babel. It's so slanted off center that essentially like it's almost guaranteed to collapse at some point. And so whatever comes out of that, I think will like massively decide like the fate of where humanity is going. And I think yeah. right now there's a huge push between putting these central bank digital currencies so that central banks Can actually print money out of thin air and decide like oh you can have a thousand dollars but you have to spend it in a week and you can only spend it on these things and then if that happens in a scale where large parts of the world are controlled by one central bank and stuff like that that's pretty scary but it all depends on who's in power and if it's used for love or used for fear and so that's why I think it's more important that we try to bring love into our lives than it is what the actual political system is because at the end of the day politics is a tool and if, yeah. and if our mind is not coming from the right place, it's gonna have bad outcomes. And if we are coming from a place where we want the best for everyone and we respect everyone's right to their, have their, their own style of freedom, then like that's the ideal outcome, I think. But mm. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not nah. a political yeah, no, I agree <laughs> with that, yeah. yeah. Any agree system with that. can
0: work as long as the, man, or the mind of mankind is like operating at a highest level of consciousness, not mm. like greed and extortion and that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm. Beautiful, no, beautiful. Mm. I can yeah. wrap it there, man. That was yeah. a solid conclusion. Yeah. Well Thank you man. very much, bro. Thank you so much, dude. That was, you, that was beautiful.